0: Hello and welcome to the Culture Up podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nikki, and I'm joined as always by the man who once sent me a video message saying that he was in Big George type bother, but I misheard it as Boy George type bother. <laughs> I didn't reply, so I've no idea what it was all about, but I do know that to this day, he's still legally not allowed to have radiators in his house. It's Greg. How are you today,
1: Greg? Very well. Uh, luckily, I live in a country where radiators aren't required. So, well, it's a, You found a little loophole
0: there. Yeah. That's why you moved to the Middle East. So, you, uh, Because of the court order ban. <laughs> How are you today? I, I joke, obviously, it's just because well, Big George will be discussing later on, and of course, Boy George was on my mind because he's about to go into the jungle.
1: Indeed. And um, because I know you and I are both fans of of um stuart whiffen and Cutting the gang's 80s podcast uh, acceptable in the 80s which is well worth checking out we're not being paid for plugging it it's just although if you're easily offended you might it's maybe not for you <laughs> but because i've been listening to that and i was i only discovered it like a few months ago so they release it every month so i've been trying to catch up and i, I am fully caught up now but it's i find myself watching a lot of um 1980s episodes of Top of the Pops, um, hmm. and I was watching one last night. I think I sent you it. I don't know if you got the chance to watch it, but there was a band on there called Incantation, who yeah. are basically sort of kind of country folk with panpipes and guitars. <laughs> no, no, there's no singing. They're just like playing their panpipes. Uh, one guy's got a little ukulele where another guy's playing the pan pipes with one hand and hitting a drum with the other and I am just thinking to myself it's amazing the sort of shite that used to get on top of the pops <laughs> in
0: the 1980s they uh, they mentioned it on the uh, the most recent episode I was listening to yesterday actually and they do like a rundown of the music and stuff and, and they mentioned um, that Dexys were in the charts as right. Jackie Wilson said yeah. and in my head whenever I hear that I instantly think of something and then they mentioned it straight away right. and it is probably one of the most iconic top of the pops moments when Dexys performed Jackie Wilson said to a big picture of Jockey Wilson, the darts player. And it's, it's just, it's incredible. I love it. Yeah. It's so good. Just seeing Kevin Rowland just swinging away with big jockey right behind him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was listening to uh, Kevin Rowland being interviewed uh, recently on um, Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt's uh, Rockin' Tours podcast. He's actually, hmm. I, I thought, I had an impression of Kevin Rowland that he took himself a bit seriously. Um yeah. But he actually, uh, he was very good on that. He'd, he'd didn't strike as somebody who takes himself very seriously. Or maybe he doesn't anymore, perhaps. Maybe he's older, a bit more mature. But um, I remember seeing on Channel 4 one night years ago, and there was a concert of his. It was performed by himself without the rest of Dex's. And it was mm. a really weird sort of up-its-own-arse Kind of arty <laughs> thing with no catchy songs whatsoever. So he seems to, but, yeah, but I know that he played with exes at the uh, at the Commonwealth Games closing party this summer in Birmingham. So
0: I mean, come on, Eileen, is just the that is your archetypal wedding song mm. that comes on that everyone gets up to dance. But
1: I, I noticed you just went, oh no, but I love that song. No, I'm not.
0: It's a it's a banger. It is yeah, an it's an absolute banger.
1: And the thing, great the, song. The the thing that that podcast. That uh, the Accepts Eighties podcast has sort of made me realise that a lot of songs that probably were the soundtrack to our young lives, which you would hear all the time, like that. Come on, Irene is a perfect example. Um, like sort of school discos, or as you say, weddings, or whatever, or if you're at like some. Remember, they used to get those like terrible 80s pubs, like that. What was that one in Glasgow that we in that time? Relax or something like that, was it called? I can't remember. <laughs> Cat remember. Yeah, yeah, it rings a bell. Relax. You, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah it used to be on um, Renfield Street, I think. And so, like, you, you was sort of like, if you, if because those songs have been so overplayed in your life, like in the last sort of 15, to 20 years, like when you hear them coming the radio, you're like, oh, fucking hell, and you turn it off. But actually, when you come back to these songs, you realize that they're absolutely brilliant and. Come on, Irene is a brilliant example of that. So a uh, Karma Chameleon by uh, Culture Club. It's a brilliant oh, song. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah.
0: I went down a bit of a Culture Club rabbit hole yesterday. And yeah, Karma Chameleon's great. I'd, uh, do you want to hurt me? But yeah, yeah. for me, Church of the Poison oh. Mind is just a, such a good song.
1: Such a good song. Yeah, it's really good. I
0: just, talking about that pub, it just flashed into my mind. I wonder if there's ever been a Scottish Tribute act and for Holly Johnson's band because they should totally call it Franco goes to Hollywood. <laughs> like, it's yeah. that's just an open goal there. If that doesn't exist, we need to set that up. I'll be Holly Johnson. Um,
1: <laughs> Our mutual friend could be the guy with the big the, with the big tash. It's in, <laughs> we can get him involved. Um, I'm not sure I'm that's not, great yeah. Holly Johnson and the guy with the big tash are the only two members of Frankie Goes to Hollywood that I'm really familiar with I yeah I can't I, don't I know couldn't who name I, anyone else I don't, nope. I don't know who it's, I could be
0: <laughs> it's a bit like Dexys. would you be able to name anyone else or like Culture Club obviously you know Boy George and you know the um, I can't even remember his name now but the black guy who <laughs> I think went out with Boy George uh, I think they had a relationship um, that's the only two members I can really
1: yeah, I remember d- I don't know if you were really have seen this because it was all the, when you lived in Dubai, but the Channel Four did a drama about Boy George and Culture Club like years ago. I think it was called "The Boy Can't Help It." And okay, I've never seen that. The guy who plays Gavin and Gavin and Stacy, whose name uh, escapes uh, me, Matthew, Matthew
0: so- Horn. Yeah,
1: so he plays. I've met him in Austria. Oh, have you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he pl- he <laughs> plays. He was a twat. <laughs> <laughs> he plays um, the member of the band that. Got Boy George involved that had a kind of relationship with him, even though I think that guy was straight. But boy, oh, yeah, Boy George sort of given off the the energy that he gave off uh, at that time in the eighties and stuff. And like, like they, uh, they said in the podcast probably leaving quite a few confused dads <laughs> watching Top of the Pops <laughs> on a Thursday night. Um, but yeah, Matthew uh, Horn plays uh, plays the sort of, um, the, the member of the band who Boy George went out with. I don't think he went out with the black fella, his name I can't no. remember.
0: I'd, um, it's Mikey Craig, I've just Googled, because oh. I, I felt terrible. So he was the bassist <laughs> yeah. in Culture Club and very good he is too. Very good he is indeed,
1: yeah. So uh, yeah, So yeah. like you, I've been going down a bit of an 80s uh, rabbit hole over the last few months. Um And coming back to a lot of these old songs that you just and sort of gaining a fresh respect for them, you know. With Boy George going
0: into the jungle, which is, of course, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. It made me think about like UK reality shows and Mm. things. So if you were to go on
1: a reality show, which one would you go on? See, the problem with me is similarly to you. I'm, I'm not uh, particularly outgoing, <laughs> so it would have to be something where I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I could probably do Big Brother because I'd, I'd be fine doing that because I know I could just sort of wander off and be by myself when everybody mm-hmm. was getting on my nerves. I might miss like not having my phone because they don't let you take any books or anything, do they? In the Big Brother. No. You just bait. no
0: because it's um, yeah, they did in the first series, and then they realized that people were just sitting about reading all day, <laughs> so it, it's the same as the jungle, you're not allowed yeah. to take in any books or anything because it's not entertaining.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, I wouldn't want to do that farm one where Rebecca Lewis wanked off a pig, <laughs> not in, I'm not into that. Um, I'm not good enough to do bake off, <laughs> not. Good enough in the kitchen to do that. I would just embarrass myself. I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of out of. I mean, I I mean, I'm probably I'm too old for Love Island, and uh, crucially, not mentally ill.
0: Yeah, I mean, I struggle with this as well. I mean, I thought about it and I was like, well, I, I couldn't do the jungle because I'm a, a bit afraid of heights and stuff. Right. So like, you know, they have to go over the rope bridge and I think they have to parachute in and stuff. Yeah. So I, I couldn't be arsed with that. I don't think I'm talented enough to do Strictly Come Dancing. No. Big Brother, I've often thought I would have done. However, I fucking hate people. <laughs> and having to be locked in with people would really piss me off. Similarly, I'd love to do, like, Bake Off, but I don't think I'm... I'm not a good baker. I'd, I think, I I'd don't know, I'd, obviously I'm married, so I can't do Love Island or First Dates or anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know, The Apprentice, but they're all fucking wankers. Yeah, the Apprentice. I know. Which makes me... I'd, so I think I'd end up doing something like, I don't know, Naked Attraction, maybe?
1: <laughs> I mean, the, re- <laughs> the reason I couldn't do The Apprentice is because... That little part of me that is still a sort of schoolboy couldn't bear a public bollocking. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would just—I would have to just get up and leave the boardroom when uh, Lord Sugar started giving me a bollocking. Yeah, I, I'd have to. I, so I couldn't do that. So it, just, it would just be feel like I was back at school.
0: We could uh, we could potentially go on Dragon's Den and try and get funding for our podcast. Uh, Fr- Franco goes to Hollywood.
1: Yeah, tribute act. Peter Jones would put money into that. He would definitely, yeah, he definitely would. I mean, I remember like an early season, an early series like Dragon's Den, and this band came on, and they were, I mean, perfectly proficient musicians, but I mean, they were, it was so boring. Like, I mean, they they played a sort of of wet, wet, wet ish sort of song, but a little bit too late to sort of capture, to sort of ride the wet, wet, wet wave. It was, um, and it was their own song, and uh, like all the other dragons, like. Rightly, were like, well, there's fucking no money in this. Do we make any money back? And um, Peter Jones was like, "Oh, that's a great song." How you know? So he he invested, but they were never heard of. They were never heard from again. So obviously, it didn't work out very well.
0: Just imagine Deborah Meaden be like, you know, this isn't X Factor. <laughs> yeah. This is Dragon's Den. <laughs> yeah. Why are you coming home with this fucking pish?
1: Well, that that was the se- that was the early series that had uh, funky Duncan Banetine on there. And, um, oh, yeah, and uh, was I, he out? He was out straight away. <laughs> uh, uh, you're, you're very good, you're very good musicians, but it's just <laughs> there's no money in it. Oh, uh, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, very good. Okay, right. Well, I think that covers the, the UK talent shows um, and reality shows yeah. that we have. We'll, maybe we'll maybe
1: we need to try and come up with our own sort of talent show format. Well, i will to think about it, maybe talk about it in the next episode when I've had time to consider it. Yeah. yeah. See
0: what, uh, well, yeah, if any of our listeners have got any ideas of what we could do for a reality yeah. show, then please get in touch. Yeah, It'd yeah. be uh, wonderful to hear your ideas. We'll read them out on the next episode of the podcast. And
1: crucially, we'll make you producers if they get picked <laughs> up by like uh, Bravo or Channel 4 or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, right. Shall we have a look at what's been happening in Scotland in the last week or so, Greg? Cue the jingle.
1: Hello, this is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news.
0: Okay, Greg, so what have you seen in the
1: news in the last couple of weeks that you would like to share with me and our listeners? Well, so my first one, my first story this week, uh, so Scotland is obviously a very, very old country. Well, the UK is a very Mm. old country, and as a result, there are a number of like, um, small, not that that well-known Scottish uh, communities that have hilarious names. And Often when tourists sort of come across these uh, funny uh, place names, they steal the the signs, like the place name signs. Yeah. So a council has come up with tamper-proof signs to foil thieves. Uh, In a particular Scots hamlet, which was made famous by Terry Wogan many years ago, called Cock Bridge in Aberdeenshire. (laughs) (laughs) It says, uh, Souvenir hunters who steal official place names for Cock Bridge in Aberdeenshire have spurred council chiefs to take action. Uh, This comes from The Daily Record on the 30th of October. Uh, A hamlet which was cheekily immortalised by the late presenter Sir Terry Wogan has declared war on souvenir hunters who constantly steal its famous road signs. Thieves have regularly targeted the official place names for Cockbridge in Aberdeenshire, but now the fed-up council is working on signs which are eh, (laughs) tampon-proof. Fuck's sake, tamper-proof. Wogan regularly made fun on air of the settlement, home to less than 100 people, which is in the Cairngorms National Park. Aberdeenshire Council previously said it was disappointing that the place names had been stolen, but replacements were in order and will be installed as soon as possible. But they were stolen again last summer. The signs were also a target for people to plaster stickers. Such... Is the eye catching notoriety of the place name. But since the summer, the hamlet has been without a visible name. Now, Aberdeenshire Council was working to restore Cockbridge's title to its rightful place for good. A spokesman said, we are aware of the issues with the sign, and we're working to replace it using more robust tamper-proof fixings. The road often disappears under a blanket of snow in winter, and is known locally as the Lecht, taking the name of the nearby ski centre. The road is one of the highest in the UK, and usually the first in Scotland to be affected by snow. It's frequently closed during the winter. On his BBC Radio 2 show, Wogan, uh, who passed away in 2016 at the age of 77, helped bring Cockbridge to Tom and Tool Road and local postmistress Mrs. Mackay to fame. In 1999, after he criticised the council for never being prepared for the snow, locals wrote in to point out that it was not the local authority that cleared the snow, but rather Mrs. Mackay, the silver haired postmistress with her silver handled <laughs> shovel. She was, do- <laughs> she was doing the best she could, they insisted. For the next decade, listeners would phone in with sightings of the near-mythical Mrs Mackay shoveling snow. Aberdeenshire is no stranger to rude-sounding place names. Uh, There's also a hamlet called Backside. (laughs) (laughs) And another one called Broken Wind, all one word. Local (laughs) councillor Giva Blackett said Cockbridge isn't the only sign being stolen in her ward. She said those signs continually get get targeted, as do another lot in my ward, the signs for lost, for example, there's a place called Lost in Aberdeen, sure so they get mm. stolen. Uh, people who think, uh, sorry, people who take them think it's amusing and they end up on somebody's wall as a souvenir. But every time they're replaced, it costs money, which means another pothole doesn't get filled in or a school book doesn't get replaced. Fuck's sake, give <laughs> give us peace Um, last year a fundraiser got his rude map out for a moped trip to Britain's 48 naughtiest street and place names Paul Taylor 43 rode over 1800 miles from Shitterton in Dorset to Twat in Orkney Uh, other places included Ass Hill in Dorset and Slack Bottom Road in Bradford. So there you go. So if you're listening in America, you've got... You know, they, they, they say that people in America don't been to the UK because a lot of people in America don't go anywhere because they don't have passports. It's a very small yeah. percentage of Americans travel. That they assume that the UK is going to be a bit like Middle Earth <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, when we hang on to place names like Twat in Orkney you got to think part of them is correct. I think I'd rather have a
0: backside than Cockbridge. I mean, Cockbridge is funny, but backside, is, that's brilliant. What a great name. Yeah. Um, I can understand their plight. I think it must be annoying that people are stealing these signs, and I can imagine it's uh a... But then a road sign, it's not like a, you've just picked it up. You, you probably have to have tools to, <laughs> to like unscrew it. So this is a, a planned attack, so mm-hmm. to speak. Like, I was remember as a student, you know, you do drunken things and I remember one night picking up a police cone and thinking, I'm having this and walking home with it. <laughs> and I was walking up the road home and I don't know how I made it all the way home with this police cone. And
1: If, if a copper said You walked all the way from town to Hazelhead.
0: Yeah, I, I found it. <laughs> yeah, I used to walk home all the time. Like, yeah, I, yeah it was too tight to spend five quid in a taxi so I would happily I'd go and get a pie bottle of iron brew maybe some reading material and then walk up um, walk up the road it took about maybe 45 minutes so one night I had this police cone thinking this will look great in my bedroom and <laughs> but this old man on the other side of the street I do not know what he was doing up at like fucking 4am um, he must have been in the 60s and he shouted over to me hey there's no parking there son <laughs> and we both laughed and thumbs up and oh, ah, yeah, yeah, this is great and then I woke up the next morning with this police cone next to my bed and I was like, what the fuck have I done? Like, what am I gonna do with this? I ended up uh putting it in a black bag and dumping it in the woods because I didn't know <laughs> what to do with it. I was terrified. I was like, I can't throw this out in the bin. I'm gonna have to have to get rid of the evidence. It was like fucking Fred West hiding a body or something. But um
1: it was uh yeah, but I've never stolen a road sign. No. That would
0: be the the kind of yeah
1: like, I, I I don't know what you do with that. I remember actually walking back to yours one night when I came up from Glasgow and stayed at yours I remember that night and yeah. yeah I think well we're under the influence of more than just alcohol as a recall yes. so it was quite yes. it was quite a sort of disco kind of walk home if I remember correctly yes it was yes I do remember that night yes yeah um no I've never um I've, I've never stolen a, a a road sign but' I'm, I'm quite uh when I was reading that article, because they mentioned that they've they not had a road sign for ages. So like if people are trying to get there, they've never been there before, and they have to like pull up at the side of the street and ask a local, excuse me, is this Cock Bridge? <laughs> <laughs> Something funny about that. <laughs> no, it's backside. <laughs> yeah, no, no, sorry, this is twat. Cock Bridge is just <laughs> over the hill. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's my first uh, story this week. What's your first story?
0: Okay, Greg. Well, I like to think we're quite a a friendly podcast and we we don't speak ill of people. However, we can rip the absolute arse out of this woman because I think it's safe to say she's not going to be listening to this podcast. (laughs) So this is from The Daily Record this week, and it is about Kirsty Baker, a woman who is terrified of Scottish accents, has revealed that the fear is so severe it causes her to experience heart palpitations and nausea. Kirsty Baker has even turned down dates because of her irrational fear and winces at the sound of the Celtic twang. Going to extreme lengths to avoid it at all costs, the 32-year-old from Hampshire switches off the TV and radio as soon as she hears the accent and has been doing so since she was a child. Since she was a child, since she was a child, she said, "Now I'm going to have to do. Um, I can't do a Scottish accent for Kirsty, so I have to do an English accent for this." I literally start to panic, my heart races, and I feel sick. It's awful. Kirsty became adverse to the accent when she was ten years old, whilst attending a boat show with her parents. A man on stilts, sporting a traditional Scottish tam o' shanter hat and red wig, approached her. Kirsty explains the man started speaking in a thick accent, and the way he looked and sounded just terrified me. I ran away and hid behind my parents. I wonder if it was Russ Abbott. Um, <laughs> si- since then, I've been so scared of Scottish voices. Recently, Kirsty was in a supermarket, and a customer started talking to her in a thick Scottish accent. Carsty was so petrified, she dumped her shopping in the aisle and fled. The phobia affects her dating life too. She avoids men whose online profiles say they live in Scotland. She explains, I've had a few men message me online. I don't know why she sounds like David Beckham now. <laughs> uh, I've had a few messages online and the moment I find out they're from Scotland, I ask if they're Scottish. If they are, I explain about my phobia. Most of them think I'm joking, but when I tell them I'm serious, they just find it hilarious. I tell them I don't have anything against Scottish people, just their voices. I've definitely missed out because some of them are good looking guys. <laughs> uh Despite the sound uh, making her feel nauseous, not everyone is taking it seriously. Kirsty's older brothers relentlessly mock her, breaking out in the accent to tease her. She says, "They're always taking the mic- um, they're always taking the mickey out of me, <laughs> imitating the accent out of the blue. They don't realize how triggering it is for me. I have to leave the room." Kirsty says that she was a massive fan of David Tennant in Doctor Who. But now she can't bear to watch him on TV. She said, because he had an English accent in Doctor Who, (laughs) I didn't realise he was Scottish until a few years ago when my mum told me, it's a shame, as I really liked him. I've never watched Braveheart either because of my fear I don't think you've got to worry too much about watching Braveheart <laughs> Kirsty for Scottish accents I, I recommend Rob Roy that's even worse um, if I want to watch a TV show I'll have to check if any of the cast is Scottish so I wonder if she's never watched Line of Duty because she thinks Martin Compston is Scottish however he speaks much like Kirsty does with my accent he speaks a bit like this doesn't he? <laughs> he does yeah <laughs> unsurprisingly Kirsty insists she'll never visit Scotland she says that would be my worst nightmare well can I say from all of in scotland Kirsty. you're not fucking welcome (laughs) so yeah have you got any um irrational fears of accents or anything greg um no or uh, or what do you think
1: of Kirsty? this is ridiculous come on yeah i mean it it feels like it's something that she could deal with quite easily you know what i mean also she could she'd probably been fine watching them today's tv show because (laughs) there's a few there's a Dodgy accents and that later on. Oh, um, we'll come on to that. Do well yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I've never heard of it before. I mean, like, you get, there's accents. I'm not going to mention any of them, so I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But there's some accents that I can't bear. Uh, especially when they're particularly broad. Yeah. But um, generally, I do quite like accents, especially in like Scotland and England, and you know, yeah. or the UK generally. Um, I-, I like the fact that you talk a little differently depending on where you come from in the same yeah. country. But yeah, no, she can fucking do one. She's got, she's got, if she's got nothing against Scottish people, she's not likely to ever have anything against Scottish people until she fucking <laughs> sorts out her stupid phobia. <laughs>
0: I mean, she's missed out on so much. I mean, mm-hmm. she's missing out on handsome men she's because fucking, of their accent. She's fucking missing out on the culture as well. Exactly. Well, that's why we can say anything we like about Kirsty <laughs> yeah. because we know she's not going to be listening to this <laughs> podcast. I, I can understand if you do have an irrational fear of something, I, I can imagine that could be crippling. Um, so a man on stilts in a Tam Shanter <laughs> hat and red wig. Approached her when she was a child. Now, is there more to this story?
1: Did was uh, he wearing a kilt I, and she saw something? <laughs> I'm not even going there. You know, <laughs> it was, it, maybe he it was he was wearing a kilt and he was a true Scotsman and uh, she got a flash or something she should never have seen.
0: Anyway, um, <laughs> okay. So I'm um, I'm very sorry for Kirsty and her fear of of Scottish accents. But yeah, she's missing out on so much.
1: Yeah, I think probably she needs. It sounds to me like she's not got an awful lot going on in her life. And um, she can maybe do it getting a hobby or something like that. <laughs> doing, yeah. Doing something meaningful. Oh, never mind. Okay. Well, what else have you seen this week, Greg? Um, My next one... Uh, so... This is today is November the sixth. We have just had Halloween this week. Um, so this story comes from the Scottish Sun on the twenty third of October. Headline reads: "Scott's Dad Left Speechless After Ordering Halloween Mannequin and Receiving Racy Item." <laughs> So, a dad ordered a, hol- a Halloween corpse for his restaurant and was sent a sex doll. Jo- Jordan McAllister, 38, bought an £8.99 mannequin on Amazon to transform his takeaway into a haunted house for the creepy festival. There's a picture of him looking a bit bereft. He's, he's, got the, he's holding the sex doll up. For some reason, it's got a black bin bag over its head. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on there. Oh, I, I, think I, I think I'm think i going to know why in a second. Okay. So, the article continues, but he was left spooked himself when he found a naked plastic doll with a woman's face in the package. The Tofu Oriental in Giffnock, near Glasgow, holds uh, hosts a kids' guising event every October the 31st from 6 till 9. Jordan said, I had ordered a Halloween outdoor decoration of a body in a bag, but instead... I got a full-on sex doll and a a tiny bin liner. (laughs) When I inflated the mannequin, it had breasts.
0: Wait a minute, so he inflated it? He obviously could tell what he had, but he still inflated it. (laughs) He's
1: just just being thorough, that's all. When I inflated the mannequin, it had breasts and an Asian female's face on it. Which might explain why he's put the tiny bin b- diner over the sex doll's head for the photograph. I tried to hide it, but my, but my son saw it and said, Daddy, what's that naked lady for? Jordan even called the police to report the incident, but funnily enough, was referred back to the cellar. I can just imagine the police, playing, fuck off, me. He added, I was so angry. My husband was stunned too, but then we had to laugh. I asked for a refund and I flagged it up to Amazon. I had checked the basket containing the items my eight-year-old wanted and everything seemed fine. The corpse was listed as any Halloween decoration. Jordan said the mix-up had put a damper on his annual celebration. He added, dressing up the shop cost me £300 but I don't mind. We'll just need to get a plan B for the corpse. Uh, Amazon was approached for comment but at the time of recording have yet to respond. So there he is, Jordan with his sex doll and his tiny bin liner. (laughs) So Jordan's bought a sex doll, got caught with it and has come
0: up with this elaborate lie (laughs) that has then spiraled out of control and now he's in the newspapers just because he was wanting to pump a little Asian sex doll. (laughs) Like, let's face it, that's what's happened here. There's no mistaking that. Meant to be a corpse in a a bin bag. But he ended up with a, a sex doll with a, a little black bag over it. Um, yeah, Jordan, um, I'm not believing this shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Millions of people might have believed you, Jordan, but be it the culture is so why they think there's more to your story than meets the eye.
0: <laughs> yeah, how, does he, how do you get confused with that? I could understand if he bought it from like Wish or something, <laughs> yeah. but you bought it from Amazon. You know, it's not <laughs> like it's going to be mislisted as inflatable. I, I just love the fact that he... Like blew it up. Surely you'd have got it and you'd have looked at it before inflating it, because you have to. You'd have to unwrap it and kind of flag it out yeah. so that it's like that, so yeah. that it inflates properly. Exactly, yeah. And he must have looked at it and went, "Oh, this has got tits," <laughs> rather than once he's inflated it, he's like, "Oh my goodness, it has breasts." Like, yeah.
1: it, uh, no, no, Jordan. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just he was just in the process of blowing it up when his son when his sons come in and he's thought. <laughs> Right. I need to think of an excuse really quickly and it's because one lies led to another and led to another before he knows where he is. He's in the it's Scottish sun uh, uh, holding up a sex stall <laughs> with a bag over its head, looking bereft and disappointed. <laughs> do you remember that story? I don't think it was
0: um I don't think it was Scottish, so that's why maybe I haven't covered it and it was a few years ago and it was a story that was in the papers and I think this meme does do the rounds on social media and it's like this elderly couple who like they're in their 60s and they were in the newspaper slamming Virgin Media, their TV provider, because they'd been charged like sixty quid for porn. Yeah. And it's the woman and her husband oh, yeah. sitting there looking <laughs> shamefaced, and the husband, it just looks like the guiltiest man <laughs> ever. He's been fucking watching porn, <laughs> charged it, and then said, Oh, it must be a mistake. I don't know about this. Uh yeah, I think that's what Jordan's done. <laughs>
1: So like, I, I noticed that you were, you seem to sort of know quite a lot about the process of blowing up sex dolls there. You were going into a bit of detail about how you have to roll them out and oh, know, so they inflate properly.
0: I, I meant just inflating things like pool toys, for example, or, you know, a blow up bed. I, yeah. d- I didn't mean about like, Asian sex, sex dolls. Doll. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've never owned one. Like Jordan. I did buy a corpse in a bag once,
1: but... Um, <laughs> Wasn't as advertised. I, say, like. I sent away for a sex doll when I was like a <laughs> blow-up corpse in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always think there's, you know, there's something a bit tragic about sex dolls because I mean, I've never, I've never <laughs> been in contact with one. But I, you know, obviously they're supposed, I guess, they're for kind of lonely guys or girls that maybe find it hard to meet somebody and you know and want to kind of basically just have like a posh wank, <laughs> basically, right? <laughs> I always like it's oh, it's a bit sad, really, because they don't. I mean, they, they sure don't feel anything like a human being, you know.
0: No, I would imagine not, because it's it would be it's like tech, so. having <laughs> sex with a rubber ring, unless you like maybe put the contents of a pot noodle inside <laughs> first
1: or something. What? Then, then maybe, I.
0: I always, um, the always of a find hot it funny
1: after the hot water's been added, I hope. just just
0: making sure it's not a Bombay bad boy. <laughs> like, chicken and mushrooms, the best, I would say. <laughs> um, I always find it funny that uh, you would have uh, known this um, in Aberdeen, because of course Aberdeen fans we are known as sheep shaggers mm. and. In a lot of the pubs in Aberdeen, there'd be vending machines in the toilets where you could buy condoms. And in some of the vending machines, you could buy blow-up sheep <laughs> Yes, right. that were little blow-up sheep. And they did have a hole in the anus that you could um potentially <laughs> stick a chicken and mushroom pot noodle in. so that's <laughs> <laughs> funny. It's, it's the type of thing you buy when you're pissed. You're like, oh, blow-up sheep. And then you blow it up and fling it around the barn and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Fun times. Fun times anyway yeah jordan i'm not having any of this
1: you yeah dirty deviant <laughs> oh dear i said the fact that he called the police <laughs> the police, the, the police are like what what, yeah. what are you actually reporting here
0: <laughs> because this this is when a lie gets too big yeah and he's like oh i I should phone the police and obviously his husband's been like yeah you should and like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: i'm going to yeah. his, his well, husband's like yeah well go on then go on then phone <laughs> the police see how, yeah. how far uh, are you going to take this Right, right. I will phone the police, Jordan. right. Well, the police aren't really interested, so I'm going to phone the Scottish Sun. Well, go ahead, <laughs> call the Scottish Sun. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play to Jordan actually. He's yeah. taken that uh, as far as he can. He's, good on him. He's styled it out, as we say. <laughs> he's styled it out all <laughs> the way. And he's even managed to get a little adv- a little sort of free advert for his takeaway on there in the Scottish Sun as well. So Oh, good, good stuff. for him. Anyway, that's uh, that's all, Jordan and Gifnick. Uh what's um what's your second story this week?
0: I I'm, I'm gonna go a bit um odd, Greg. I'm gonna have a, a nice story (laughs) this week. Yeah, I know it's not often that I do have um, a nice story, but I I thought this was a lovely little tale. Okay, So this is from the Daily Record this week. And I actually saw this happening live on Twitter before the the news picked it up. So I I was invested in this story already. A Malaysian student booked a flight to Madrid after sharing beers with a group of Celtic fans on a train to London. So uh, Celtic were playing Real Madrid, Um, in the Bernabeu in Madrid uh, this week, they lost 5-1. But obviously these fans were getting the train down to London to get their flight. So Austin, uh, who's the Malaysian student, um, met Hoops fan Mark Strachan and his friends on the Avanti West Coast service as they headed to Stansted Airport ahead of their Champions League clash with Real Madrid on Wednesday night. The Bristol University student got chatting with the Glasgow pals on Monday and after a number of refreshments... Austin soon booked a flight with the lads. (laughs) (laughs) The brilliant story was shared by Mark on Twitter, and he has been keeping followers updated of their adventures. The following day, they got onto a Ryanair flight before arriving in the Spanish capital for more beers. And there's a photo here of Austin with his Malaysian passport. He's looking fucking pissed, and he's got like... Five empty beer bottles in front of him. Uh, the group then headed for a tour of Real Madrid Stadium, the Burnabout, uh, before speaking to reporters. Uh, one of the fans with Austin told the BBC cameras, uh, We got on the train in Glasgow and bumped into this man, Austin. We had a few beers and got chatting away. He's over from Malaysia studying at Bristol University. After a few more beers, we decided to book Austin a plane to Madrid. <laughs> Austin added, and I'm not going to do an accent for this. Um, I had five, I had five or six beers, and I was just like, "Never mind, I'm going to be here anyway." <laughs> Uh, Mark has shared pictures of Austin with his boarding pass walking through London with a Celtic flag and having beers in Madrid and then the stadium (laughs) Uh, so yeah uh, this article was written before the game so it says Celtic take on Real Madrid in their final Champions League match tonight but obviously we know that they lost 5-1 so I just love this story in terms of you know, it, it's a group of Scottish football fans, you know, regardless of who you support. Like, it, it doesn't matter, but I just find it so lovely that they've been getting the train down to London. They've obviously just got chatting to this guy who sat himself. Yeah. I said, come and join us. Come come have a beer. And he's like, oh, so where are you off to? Oh, we're going to Madrid for the football. <laughs> and after yeah, Austin's had, <laughs> uh, had five beers, they've just fucking... Booked to my ticket. Come on, we're going. And I did see that they were tweeting, like, has anyone got a ticket for the game that we can give to Austin? And he got a ticket. He did go to the game. That's class. So, uh, that's brilliant. He's yeah. just on his way down um, back to uni and uh it
1: takes, ends up getting accosted. And it takes a thousand mile detour to Madrid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it's so welcoming, You know, come on, come come and join us. Come on, come and sit with us, Austin. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah before that's, you know it, you're off to Madrid. That's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, we've all had kind of nights, like, not that extreme. Mm. Like, I, I I, can't think of anything that I've ever done. I mean, I think we convinced ourselves a few times, or strong-armed ourselves, um, to go on, like, nights out. The, yeah. the, the one that instantly sprang to mind, and it, it, it's not it, as good as Austin, is I remember um, a Friday afternoon, I came into town and met you for a couple of afternoon pints, because I... <laughs> kind of friday afternoon off uni yeah and we had a couple of beers and we we're speaking about how we weren't going to go out that night and there's no way we're not going out we're not doing anything um i, I was literally we're outside hmv and i'm saying goodbye to you and this guy hands us a flyer saying that like the drummer from morchiba <laughs> is doing a dj set at escobar and we looked at each other and we're like well oh well, we'll have to go with this <laughs> <laughs> It's the, it's the drummer from Morchiba. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I I couldn't name you a fucking single Morchiba song yeah. <laughs> to this day. However, I was like, well, well, we obviously have to go to this. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so I ended up going home, getting changed, coming back into town. And then <laughs> we ended up going to see the drummer from Morchiba. Was that the night... Uh, genuinely, it was one of the best nights I've ever fucking had out. <laughs> was that the night that we ended up speaking to the South African guys no, in the street afterwards? Was, no, was that a different that night? That's a different
1: <laughs> night. That night that you're talking about was we had been invited to our mutual friend's housewarming in Uckert Road. Neither of us okay. wanted to go. So I think that's why we had said, that's why we're like, yeah, well, if we're just staying in, just make an excuse. <laughs> We're not going to go. But then, but because we obviously were going out, we ended up going to his party beforehand, going to Escobar, and then turning up again at fucking three in the morning as the party was winding down and attempting to breathe some life back into it. Now yeah. I remember. Yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the audacity!
0: Oh, it's the drummer from Morchiba. Yeah, we've got to go and see him. Come on, well, um, you know it's not like it was um, shovel from M people or something. <laughs> you know, I could understand. Yeah, <laughs> it's the drummer from Mar-chiba. Um well, Have you ever been strong-armed into like a a trip abroad or something that you've? Um, you know, or, or, or much like our um, our Malaysian uh, Austin and anything that's uh
1: nothing like that, but it did remind me of um a story that my dad liked to tell. About when he was younger, it's it back when they used to have the old home counties internationals uh, back in the seventies, where it's like mm. sort of Scotland, England, Wales, Northern Ireland. They had my mum's brothers, my uncles, had chartered a and their friends had chartered a bus to take them to Wembley for the um, for like the Scotland England tie. And the, one of their friends, I won't I won't mention his name. I probably no, I won't mention his name just in case. But he. Um, <laughs> The bus, <laughs> the bus was leaving from Saracen Street and he wasn't going because uh, I think he promised his quite new wife at the time that he, would, that he wouldn't go. Had a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a bevy merchant and uh, was to try to make the best of his new marriage. And he came down <laughs> in his um, dressing gown and slippers to wave them off and was promptly bundled onto the coach <laughs> <laughs> and taken to Wembley and had to phone his new wife from the services on the M6 to explain (laughs) why he still had the bag of rolls that he'd been dispatched for (laughs) two and a half hours ago. Um, Not sure she believed him. But uh, yeah, basically this guy went to Wembley in his pyjamas, and they had... Had to uh, they had to try and get them some clothes and some shoes and a ticket for the game and everything. But that's definitely a story for the ages anyway. You know? Yeah, definitely. It's one to tell the grandkids for oh. that, a doubt.
0: Oh fantastic good lad
1: yeah ah well okay
0: so that was austin yeah. um, and his uh trip to madrid a shame they lost 5-1 to him um, maybe that'll be austin's last celtic match he probably goes to <laughs> it
1: had have been a fairytale ending if they'd if they'd got a result i suppose for austin it would
0: have been yeah yeah you're right yeah he would have been a lucky mascot he would have had to go every week after
1: <laughs> that uh okay greg um anything else this week or I do actually Unusually I've got a very very quick Very quick story um, So this is from the Scottish Sun On the 28th of October now, The headline is Wheelie funny uh, my, my pal asked <laughs> me To take his bin out When he was away So I took it on a date To the park This is <laughs> Yeah, Scots gardener Chris Nesbitt um, his mate Michael Fleming asked him to take the bin out when he was on holiday so Chris he's brought the wheelie bin to uh, the local park in Blairgowrie near Perth It's a picture of him sitting. He's got-, he's got the wheelie bin on the bench he's sitting beside it with his arm round it drinking a cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> there's also a picture of uh, Chris on the swings with the wheelie bin on a swing <laughs> and uh, a picture of Chris in the wheelie bin Sliding down a chute together, uh, oh, very lovely. robust sense of humor, uh, Chris. So I thought it yeah. was quite funny. Yeah.
0: Oh, lovely! Oh, that's good. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, taking a bin out for a date. Oh,
1: <laughs> yes. yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's my that's my last my last story. Oh, wonderful.
0: Okay, well, before we go on to what we're going to be talking about today. I'd like to give a little mention to a huge friend of the podcast, Alistair Braidwood, and his wonderful show, Scots Way. Hey. Greg and I cannot recommend this show enough. Ali covers and talks about Scottish culture, but he goes so in-depth into Scottish writers, poets, music, film, TV, art, and comedy. He has an Absolutely incredible guests on this podcast And Ali's knowledge and passion for Scottish culture Is genuinely second to none Maybe, yeah, I'd say he's ahead of us In terms of the the, <laughs> the passion that he has on this um, Later today, Greg and I are lucky enough To be guests on Scots with Hay, And we will put that out on our feed for you So you can listen And we hugely recommend that you do listen to this And you can download some of Ali's podcasts after So Scots with Hay, But hey, let's hear a little clip Hello, everyone. It's going to be just like the Paris Review, yeah? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, Paris yourself. Review with pints. So, uh, this is the 5th Scots <laughs> Way hey podcast, and uh, we're having far too good a time here. I have with me Alan Bissett. Hello. I hope mm-hmm. you're not superstitious. This is the 13th
1: Scotsway Hate podcast. It's oh, always all right in the end. It's always all right. Everything's always all right You, right you in close the, the book, and then you go make a cup of tea yeah. and put, put another log on the fire. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll put Psycho in the, the DVD. <laughs> well, I think... Mm-hmm. I, Oh, it's probably my shout at the bar. Welcome to the Scots We Hay podcast.
0: Okay, Greg, so it was your choice on this episode, so why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about on this swally today?
1: Okay, so this week we're looking at the BBC's adaptation of the late Ian Banks' uh, penultimate novel, Stonemouth, that came out in 2013, uh, just uh, I think just about the same time as he passed away. The Christian cook plays Stuart Gilmer, uh, returning to the seaside town of Stonemouth five years after running away from a sex scandal uh, for the funeral of his best friend Callum, who appears to have committed suicide by plunging from the fourth road bridge. Uh, Stuart attempts to put the pieces of his friend's death together. While staying out of the way of his former fiancé's notorious family, the Murston's, led by particularly formidable Peter Mullen, Uh, this proves difficult as Callum, the late Callum, was also a Murston. So, uh, it came out on the BBC in 2015, it was just a two-part drama. Uh, It was on BBC One in Scotland, it was in June of 2015, and it was in... um It was on BBC Two, uh, everywhere else in the UK. I hadn't seen this before. Nikki. I don't think you had. No,
0: no, I hadn't. I think we we mentioned on the the last episode, we both read the book Hmm. when it came out, but no, this is my first time actually viewing Stonemouth. I was aware that it had happened and that it came out, but I'd I'd never actually watched it. Mm -hmm. So, no, my first time too.
1: I actually realised I hadn't read the book. I was confusing Stonemouth with The Quarry, which was Ah. Ian Banks' last uh, book. Um, so when I was watching it I was thinking I don't remember any of this stuff happening in the book. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. That honestly, that doesn't surprise me, but even if you had read the book because
0: yeah. it's um it's very different from the book. And I, I don't want to get bogged down too much into comparing it to the book or even comparing it to the Crow Road, which I think is, is inevitable that we're gonna have yeah. to be talking about. But um this is very different from the book in terms of it's, it's not Stuart's friend that dies. It's actually Don's father that passes Mm. away. So it would have been like his grandfather in law to be, um, and and him and Stuart had quite a close relationship. Um, and he is actually away for five years rather than two, which mm-hmm. would make a lot more sense of what happens in the two years he's away. So yeah, I, I don't want to get bogged down too much in comparing it to the book, because we're talking about the TV show here. Yeah. In coming to this, without having read the book and seeing it for the first time, what did you think about Stonemouth's initial thoughts?
1: Um, I mean, it was, you know, I think this the, the sort of basic framework of the book is uh, has a lot in common. Oh, sorry, not of the book, of the uh, TV show, has a lot in common with the Crow Road. You know what I mean? Mm. Sort of young guy, sort of coming home and trying to put the pieces of a mystery together. Mm. Um, they, they filmed a lot of the TV show at McDuff in Aberdeenshire, mm. which if you've never been to McDuff, I recommend you go. It's absolutely. Uh, Stunning there. I don't mean you, Nicky. I'm sure you've been to McDuff. I would meant that for the listeners. <laughs> S- stole a road sign from McDuff once. Oh, did you Cockbridge? No, I no, didn't. Wait, no, wait, wait. of course not. No. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So they. It's great to see Peter Mullen in anything, and he's very good in this. Gary Lewis is great in it as well, although we don't see Hmm. that much of him, really. But where Hmm. we do see him, he's very good. A bit perplexed at the choice to cast so many English people in lead roles. Because Christian Christian Cook as an actor, I like him. I really like that... um, Cemetery Junction the Ricky Gervais movie that he was in set yeah. in the 1970s I thought that was a good film and I thought he was particularly good in it but I don't really you know I've, it's a kind of BBC Scotland production you think about the amount of Scottish actors of Christian Cook's sort of generation that could mm. have played that part Um yeah. I was a bit perplexed by it I either, I don't know I mean there, there there's there's a lot of issues with it uh, to be honest there's a lo- and there's a lot of um there's a lot of story threads left completely unanswered I mm-hmm. I think Cramming the, the story such as it is into two hour long episodes It's perhaps been a bit ambitious and it's not really paid off um, Unfortunately That's not to say that I didn't enjoy it There's some great moments in it And there's some fantastic performances in it Particularly from um, uh, Gilly Gilchrist as uh, Stuart's dad And mm. um, what is her name? Um, Charlotte Spencer who plays Ellie Who's very good as yeah. well but yeah, I think there's. I think probably the the fairest sort of summing up of it for me is probably a bit of a missed opportunity.
0: I'd agree with you there. I think um, it's a it's almost a trope of kind of Ian Banks novels. Really, it's a, it's about a young man going back to his hometown, and the tale gets told in past and present with flashbacks and yeah. voiceovers. And I think that's maybe why this kind of fell a little bit short to me because it's not the Crow Road but it, it's almost like it felt like, you know what it felt like? Almost like an American remake of The Crow Road. Like You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it's not quite as good. Um, I, I think they are they tried to do something good, but it just kind of failed. I mean, I, there's so many similarities, you know, in terms of Stuart and Ellie. It's kind of a... A romance from afar, Mm -hmm. which is just like Prentice and Verity, really. And he's trying to kind of piece together this mystery, and and who knows what's going to happen. I thought it was okay; it was passable. I did enjoy it, and I actually watched this with my wife because I said to her, "It was last Sunday, and I just look. I need to watch this for the podcast. Do, Do you want to watch it? It's like a Scottish two part thing, kind of mystery." type thing she said like, yeah yeah i'll watch that and, and she loved it she mm. really enjoyed it and when it ended actually she's like is that it is, yeah. is there more i want more i, I yeah. need to know what happens because there's there's so many as you say unanswered things yeah I, I i did enjoy it but yeah it was a bit disappointing in terms of the i i don't know they, they crammed a lot into two episodes but then if it had been made into maybe three or four it might have been a bit too drawn out Mm. however that would have maybe helped things because it did seem like every 10 minutes the the brothers were chasing Stuart with you know baseball bats i mean it it kind of felt a bit too the chuckle brothers as um, (laughs) they fair calls them when he's pumping ellie's sister in the car but it's um it it does feel like okay so they're chasing him again and again and here we go So I I think maybe if you'd expanded that into maybe like four episodes, it could have been better. However, would it have then been too drawn out over four episodes?
1: I mean, possibly. You know, but then, you know, I guess we should say now we're obviously going to spoil this. So if you're... If you haven't mm. watched that, maybe able to go back and watch it before you listen to the rest of the pod. But um, you know, like the resolution when we find out what actually happened to Callum, it's kind of you know, it's sort of overheard in the fish mm. factory, and even then, it's not it, that it sort of transpires that maybe that's not exactly what happened to him. No, and then you know, and then there's the confrontation with Powell and Dom in the house, and even that's a bit sort of flat. You yeah. know, the, the the only sort of finale is. You know when Fergus uh, gets shot, protecting um, Stuart from—is it, it the Oh, and see the other brother. He was the. Um, yeah, uh, Norrie and uh, Fraser. Yeah, so yeah, Fraser shoots uh, Ferg and then gets you know gets paneled over the head with a bit of wood, and then you know, but hmm. then that, but then we don't know what happened to Nori. You know what I mean? Like Ferg, uh, yeah, he, he sort of just sort of. He has a that last thing we see him is in the fish factory, and then we don't see him again.
0: No, we do see. Two of them is that before or after? No, it's it's it is after the fish factory. The um the Nori and Fraser are. In the pool hall with Powell oh, doing yeah. l- lines of ching, that's right. And they're all like, "Oh!" And and that's when Powell puts into their head it's all uh, it's all bursting, Stuart's. Yeah. Uh, Stuart's fault, um, yeah, yeah. And and that's when you kind of go off. But yeah, we don't know what happens to Nori. We don't see that, and I think that's a bit of a missed opportunity. And I I don't even think, as you say, we kind of overhear in the fish factory. It's because the brothers like, yes, that's what happened, Dad. Yeah. However, I think they're just saying that because Don's said it, and Powell's there as well. Yeah. And it's kind of, no, I, I
1: think it was Powell that killed yeah. Cal. Well, but it's, um, it's all sort but, of implied, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's never actually, you yeah. don't get a resolution. We, we still don't know what actually happened. Yeah. And there's a lot of this kind of screaming at the the screen. I mean, the in fact, the reason that Stuart kind of had to leave Stonemouth was because he was engaged to Ellie, and he got caught pumping Joy McAvoy in the toilets at a wedding, hmm. and then he has to leave. Now, at no point in this does he tell Ellie, well, the reason I pumped her was because I saw you kissing your ex-boyfriend's brother, yeah. who you then went on to marry um, on the balcony. So that's why I end up doing that. He doesn't tell her, and you're kind of screaming at the screen, just fucking tell her, and it's all going to be... Mm-hmm. Not okay, but she can explain, you can explain. It, it, it just seems there's, there's so much kind of unresolved stuff that you just want to scream at the TV. Yeah. Just
1: sort this out. No, I know. Um, it's Yeah, I just, it was just, you know, I mean, I guess you have a sort of happy ending, I guess, with uh, Stuart and Ellie embracing on the platform. I mean, what's mm. that? I mean, it's supposed to be set in like modern times. Why the fuck is it getting <laughs> on a train carriage from like the nineteen fifties? like it it did look like the Hogwarts Express <laughs> it did, or something. I don't did. Oh. <laughs> off to to take them off. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned about the the English cast, and of course yeah. we have, as you say, uh, Christian Cook in kind of the the main role, really, and Charlotte Spencer as Ellie. Mm-hmm. You know, and two English actors. However, yeah, why why do you not? cast Scottish. Like, there's so much talent there that you could easily have have cast this. And, And that's the thing because they're doing just like kind of generic Scottish accents. Yeah. Now, this is meant to be set in... Stone mouth. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's meant to be like Murray like it's meant to be oh, in yeah. the north yeah. kind of it's meant to be Aberdeenshire right the, of course the area yeah, yeah. whereas the accents are all over the place you know you've got Peter Mullen and Gary Lewis doing different accents you've got these English actors doing different accents you've got Ferg who is like kind of a posh kind of Edinburgh yeah. accent uh, Powell obviously Irish so it doesn't even make an attempt mm-hmm. but everybody's accent is completely different and all over the place. And it, it shouldn't be like that. I understand they couldn't probably do a proper Maury <laughs> no, no. Aberdeenshire accent because nobody would fucking understand it. the subtitle it. <laughs> However, it, it did annoy me a little bit that everybody's accent was just all over the place. It's just like a, look, it's Scottish, it's fine. I mean, the woman that we heard about in the news, she would go mental over this because oh, yeah. all of the, the different accents going on. But it did, did strike me as... You know what? Can you do a Scottish accent? Yeah, that's fine. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, if if you were to set this in Liverpool and you had an actor doing like a Mancunian accent when he was meant to be from Liverpool, there would be fucking outrage about this. Yeah, but yeah. It seems to be okay because it's Scottish. It's fine.
1: Yeah. Um. I wondered if um. I wondered if Joy McAvoy might have auditioned for the role of Ellie, or maybe the role of uh, Greer, and um, and you know, obviously was unsuccessful. Uh, but she's she's i to be, be fair to her i mean i'm i'm not a big fan of joy McAvoy <laughs> if i'm honest but to be fair i thought she's although she's not in this very much really i thought she was actually alright i think she's i think she's 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 better in the sort of 5 minutes or so of screen time that she has in the whole thing than she she's is got about
0: four lines and they're like do you fancy a line oh, she, and she comes back in the fancy sec- a shag she comes back in the
1: second episode doesn't she
0: of course, yeah, to explain everything. Yeah. Now, this is what bothers me. Now, This is the, the whole kind of crux. So Ellie and Stu have been together. And, you know, in fact, let's delve into their relationship first. Stu, Ellie is Cal's sister. Yeah. And Stu is mates with Cal. Mm-hmm. And he fancies Ellie. But he says he can't speak to her because she's out of his league. Now, come on. It, it's not as if Stuart's looking like big george or anything like he's a he's a good-looking guy she's not out of his league he's a good-looking guy she's a beautiful woman it's you know they're kind of perfect for each other really yeah however his patter is fucking shite his first line to her is the truth is i've been in love with you since the first moment i laid eyes on you i'd love to have a baby with you now she should be running for the fucking hills (laughs) when she, she hears that. However, they don't. So they end up having a relationship, despite the fact that she is currently going out with Gary Lewis' character, Mike, one of his sons. Mm-hmm. So she's going out with, with him. I can't remember. Uh, is it Ryan? No, Ryan's the one she marries. Um, and turns out to be gay, because Ferg goes and yeah. lures him into the woods. Now, so she and Stu start going out. Then... At this wedding, they're engaged, they're going to be married. At this wedding, we see Ellie kissing Ryan, Mm. who is her ex-boyfriend's brother, and Jell, Joy McAvoy's character's brother as well. So this all incestuous thing. And Stu then goes off to the toilets with Jell to have a line of coke and a bit rumpy-pumpy. Now, we find out that Powell has set all this up, effectively. Now, he set up Jell to go and speak to Stu, but did he set up Ryan to kiss Mm. Ellie on the balcony but then we find out that Stu's fled stone mouth that evening been away for two years in the two years he's been away Ellie has married Ryan and divorced him yeah so uh, you're like what the fuck like (laughs) it like, it's just, it it's so incestuous and, I mean, I guess it is Maury, but <laughs> it's so incestuous and just kind of, just these two families and just everyone's, you know, all the brothers, sisters, everyone's just hooking up with each other and it's just bizarre. It just, I, I don't know, it just, it just didn't seem believable in a way that, that she's done this. She's, why was she kissing the brother and then, but then ended up marrying him?
1: Yeah. It's just, you know, cause Ellie, she, like, she seems like such a. She's knocking him back. And he sort of forces himself on her, but she doesn't like like batter him off. You know what I mean? A no. way, you know, like just like The the moment lasts long enough for Stuart to uh, see what's that, you know to get the wrong impression. Yeah, it's um, it's it's strange. Um, and the other thing is like, going back to back to the sort of Crow Road esque childhood trauma. You know, like in the Crow Road, we had Fergus sort of smashing Lachlan's face into the cabinet thing. In this, mm. in this one, we've got Big George killing one of the group with a sword before mm. he gets uh, before he gets PJ'd in the eyes with a paint gun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of see. But then we never hear about <laughs> Big George again, other than... No. Or, or you know, who's, was, who's, who's Big George's brother, Fergus? Uh, they, uh, no. Oh. They, they mention
0: it's um, Hugh, oh, I Hugh. think, um, yeah, so never... and, and he's never mentioned again. Yeah. So it seems odd. And because they, they build it up, is they're meant to be like royalty yeah. in Stone Mouse. Yeah. But you never hear anything again. And that's exactly what I had. Like, Big George, it's quite a horrific <laughs> scene when he um, <laughs> kills... Wee Malky mm. with the, the sword. Yeah. And then he, he acts like Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers getting shot with this paintball until, as you've said, he gets PJ'd from Biker Grove. Like, <laughs> <Yeah. he's laughs> shot in the eye. And, you know, fair play. That was all Cal could do, really, to stop him because yeah. he was just like a kind of one man wrecking machine. But yeah, uh, Big George and Hugh never mentioned again, apart from, as you say, um, in Carl's video message when he says he's in Big George type bother.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, this is one of the, things that sort of costs it. Because like the Crow Road had a lot of characters and they were able mm. be- because it was over sort of four or five episodes, they were able to sort of flesh them out and demonstrate their importance to the narrative and to the story and stuff. Everybody from like Rory's Girlfriends to uh, apprentices, mm. flatmate, and all that kind of stuff. There was enough time to kind of show you what they were all about and how important yeah. they were to the story. When in this one, to your point, you know, we meet these characters early on in the episode. In the early on. In the first episodes, when Stuart is thinking back to the Big George incident, and you would think that you know, there's there's the scene where he sort of reunites with Fergus and some of his friends in the pub, and then he goes the the other scene where they play poker. There's his friend who works uh, in the CCTV cabin for the bridge, and it's just it's like they're all sort of you just feel like they're put there to move the story on a wee bit, yeah, you know, um, give to give Stuart another clue. As to what actually happened to Cal, yeah, I think you know perhaps if if they had a bit had had, had a bit more time, then it would have been a bit more. It'd been a bit more of a a more satisfying sort of drama.
0: Yeah, I would agree because as you say, there are all these kind of bit part characters. So as you say, Dougie, his um, his friend, who's the cop, who of course is uh, Doctor Who. Yeah, um, Ezy, I think, is the guy that does the the CCTV cameras. Yep, and then even people like. Um, What's his name? The the drug dealer. Is it like D Cup? D Cup, yeah. <laughs> even then they don't get enough okay we get a little glimpse of his life that he loves his little porcelain animals and his um bone china dogs yeah. but there's not enough kind of in depth into to this and it, as you say they don't they don't flesh out enough like as all we know of him is the poker game and, and literally like a few lines it's like oh so you do the cctv cameras at the, at the bridge yeah i do and the next scene it's like how much did you lose in the poker game i'll give you the money if i can look at this and there's no kind of you know build up to that or anything Yeah. Even you know, Ellie's sister, Greer, it's kind of like, she's in like, what, three, four scenes? And the storyline that they have with her is kind of, again, a bit confusing because mm. you're you're kind of like, so did her and Cal have an incestuous relationship? Or she did just make it up? Like, and I think we're, we're led to believe towards the end that she when she's speaking to Dawn that she did make it up. Mm. But it's a... The one thing they did quite well that I thought was obviously we see her as the as she is now, and then when they had the flashback to two years ago, she was kind of like a goth at the wedding. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Photos. I thought that was quite clever in the way they'd done that. She's the only character that they kind of did that for. Yeah. Everyone else is just exactly the same. So it, it kind of felt a little bit half arsed in a way. Yeah. In terms of
1: the way they've handled some of these things. She's also one of the more interesting characters in the in the mm. she, she she's more interesting yep. than Ellie. You yep. know what I mean? Uh much more interesting than Ellie. You know, they she, Ellie gets a little bit to do toward the end of the second episodes when, you know, her and Stuart go to the fish factory to spy on the drugs arriving and the, the heist and you know, and then the apparently is an expert in blowing up vans with socks and uh. uh yeah how
0: how that's i've got that in my notes like so was we didn't see her put and either Stuart's feet are fucking rancid but the yeah. the sock could get set like that because <laughs> we didn't see her put any lighter fluid or anything on no. that sock so his um his feet must
1: be toxic to yeah, to yeah. be
0: able to set fire so quickly and blow up a van
1: exactly um so you know she's not she's for a lot of the first episodes she's a bit of a sort of she's a bit like uh, mrs Mackay, the postmistress <laughs> at cockbridge she's a bit of a sort of mythical <laughs> bit of a sort of mythical character whereas uh, Gria is actually quite interesting and it's clearly incredibly important to the mystery of what happened to cal but to your point it's never really specified exactly Mm. you know what did she say or do that you know did her and cal have fallen out is that why she tried Mm. to stitch him up or is she a bit of you know is she a bit of a sociopath or what you know what's actually happened
0: yeah i'd like to find out more about her because she has got in my opinion some of the best lines and some of the best performance in this um over the two parts so like when uh, stuart first sees her on the beach and i think she says like do you think oh, i was my sister you're disappointed you know it, it, it's funny the, the way she says that ria
1: stuart gilmore
0: as i live and breathe interesting you look relieved and disappointed at the same time i guess you thought i was my sister story of my life mm-hmm. um but then probably the best line for me is at carl's funeral kind of wake and Stu approaches her when she sat there herself and he doesn't say anything he just kind of looks at her in a weird way and she says um are we meant to be communicating telepathically? Yeah, and it. She's just got so much kind of
1: sass yeah, about yeah, her, yeah.
0: and she's yeah, she's a brilliant character, and I agree. I'd rather see more of her than probably most of the rest of the cast. <laughs> <Yes. perhaps. laughs>
1: yeah, so she's she's played by Naomi Batrick. Um, mm. And another English actress uh, yeah. in that role. So yeah, I just a bit of a bit of a strange sort of choice to make with her. Even like even D cups quite a uh, an interesting character. You know, we, we have the scene in the pool hall when he where he threatens Stuart and uh, mm-hmm. is rescued, and Powell rescues uh, you know he rescues Stuart, and then we discover his hidden depths <laughs> when Ellie and Stuart go to his flat to under the. To, to buy some weed but really to to ask him what um, he knows about what happened to Callum and he, it turns out that he collects these fucking <laughs> wally dogs
0: thanks for sorting us out it's been a horrible day what with my brother's funeral and all that I do no bother these yours? aye I collect them
1: bone china vintage
0: they're beautiful
1: circus animals mostly wee dogs monkeys that sort of thing this. This
0: is rare. Blanc de jean poston.
1: You can't get these for love nor money. I love the Chinese. See, apart from us, they invented, like, all the best stuff. But, you know, again, quite an interesting character that is sort of criminally underused. And actually, um, Powell, played by Brendan Mm. Gleeson's son, he's Mm. actually a brilliant character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's really really good and he's a he's a he's a fabulous actor um yeah much like his dad and his and his brother but uh you know they like, probably one of the best scenes in the in the show as as much as it's not very satisfying is the confrontation between him and peter mullen as dom yeah in the house when he's he's threatening peter he's threatening dom with a gun he's really really good
0: it was so interesting because normally it's the other way around i'm the one that is like oh um, when we're watching this and mm. uh, Brian Gleason pops up on screen, my wife was like, Oh, it's him. Oh, I like him. I was like, What have you seen him in? She's <laughs> like, Oh, I watched the show Bad Sisters that he's in. He's brilliant. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. Powell is a, a fascinating character Mm. and very good and he's probably one of the ones that they did maybe a decent enough job of building up kind of his backstory yeah that you can actually tell why he is so kind of owes his life to don because looked after him and and stuff and i think that's why and of course the the backstory effectively he kind of even don mentions at one point you know it's a shame you weren't a mersin or you know Yeah, um, yeah because you know he knows he has to give the keys of the kingdom to ellie or the other to idiot brothers <laughs> Powell is a yeah a great character and quite menacing mm. in a way I mean Farrag obviously is terrified of him because when he buys Farrag and Stuart a pint in the pub and yeah. Farrag's like let's drink up I don't want to associate with was it someone that could kill me like with one punch or something? Yes, yeah, something or... like that. Yeah, but yeah, he, he, a very interesting character, and I quite would have liked to have kind of find out more mm-hmm. about
1: Powell and his backstory and and, and and what went into that, really. Yeah, how he came to be sort of adopted by the Mercs and all that. And mm. yeah, no, you're right. Um, he's yeah, very very good. Um, on Fergus, I notice that he only has one jumper, regardless, <laughs> regardless of whether it's. Uh, circa two three four five years ago when everyone's sitting on the beach enjoying cans and and dance music or whether he's in the pub in the in the present day with um with stuart he only has that sort of one gray kind of fisherman's jumper and even when he gets shot he's wearing that fucking jumper (laughs) i i I did not notice that
0: (laughs) and you would think as a gay games designer yeah. He would have a bit more style about you. Oh, absolutely! I mean, he's, he's got a cracking duffel coat, and in fact, he compliments Stuart on his jacket. He's like, "Oh, look at this, from Shoreditch." But uh, yeah, you're right. I, d- I never thought about that, but you're right. He's only got one jump.
1: Yeah. Hmm. On on some of the fashion choices, I mean, the shoes which get Stuart into all the trouble at the wedding—those blue, sp- blue suede shoes. Blue suede shoes. I mean, they. I mean, they. He deserved to be chased out of Stonemouth just for turning up at a wedding. <laughs> in navy blue trousers and light blue suede shoes. Surprise, Fergus wants anything to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I made a note here, and I can't remember why I wrote it, but I've made a note that says questionable buttery. Uh, okay so that'll be
0: that'll be the breakfast um that he gets served for uh hangover he he gets home yeah uh, for his hangover so mum and dad and he gets served a breakfast is a square sausage black pudding a buttery and two fried eggs so I would I would question that as well whether you would actually have a buttery with that a fry up kind of combination you would just have a buttery and I'm like I I wouldn't have that combination together so back when you were
1: back before you became a vegetarian um, and if you mm. if you mean know, that's Aberdeen. if you're if your mum made you like a fry up what would you expect like toast egg beans well, bacon sausage would,
0: no when i would make a, like a fry up myself for example yeah yeah i would have um, sausage not square because it gives me heartburn <laughs> uh, so link sausage bacon fried egg beans toast i mean no black pudding in, in dubai as well i would make black pudding as mm. well yeah yeah that would kind of be it i wouldn't go with like mushrooms or any of that nonsense but yeah like yeah yeah. Sausage, bacon, fried egg, beans, black pudding. No buttery on the side to definitely you- no. your so No, that's what they <laughs> toasted before. A buttery <laughs> would just very much be a buttery that you would have on its own. You don't have that with a fucking cooked breakfast. That's just <laughs> insane. I don't know what they do up in Murray or Stonemouth, Mouth, but uh, it's um, obviously full of perverts if they're doing <laughs> stuff like that. It's full of perverts because... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I agree with you you mentioned earlier in terms of Gary Lewis doesn't really get enough to do in this and mm. I agree the, the older actors I would say are brilliant and yes, as, as much as some of the younger actors, maybe hit and miss, I I think we'll give um, Naomi Batrick a, a pass on this because she is brilliant as Greer. As good, said. Yeah. However, I think that Gary Lewis, Peter Mullen, um, as you mentioned earlier, Gilly Gilchrist yeah. is um, Stuart's dad. Uh, Sharon Small is Connie. I mean, she's only got a few lines, but she's brilliant as well. And... I think you could probably give Brian Gleeson kind of as the older actor, mm. if you know what I mean, compared to the rest of the cast. They are all fantastic, I think, and really stand out. And I wish we would have seen more of, of Mike, Gary Lewis's character. However, I can't forgive this. If you... <laughs> so we're led to believe, obviously, Mike and Don kind of, as it is said uh, by Stuart's dad, or is it Stuart, like they they run Stone Mouse, like between the two of them. yeah. And obviously they, again, this is what I can't agree to. It's almost like two kind of gang leaders. However, they are technically related, you know, through marriage because Mm -hmm. Don's son, uh, Don's daughter married Mike's son, even though Mike's son's sister pumped Ellie's ex fiance in the toilet. Like, again, it's so <laughs> incestuous. However, so Mike is obviously taking this one step further and thought, let's just complete this. And he's having an affair with Connie, Don's wife. Now, if you are going to be having an affair, people, probably not the best situation to kiss the- your <laughs> rival's wife, who you're sleeping with, on your doorstep, which is on the beachfront <laughs> and everyone can see Probably not the best idea to do that. And that for me, I, I know it had to kind of necessitate that yeah. Stuart saw it and and as Mike says, we're old friends, it's just tea and sympathy and probably a an odd hand job. But <laughs> it's it's very much a come on, man, you're meant to be this kind of massive, you know, businessman stroke drug dealer. Why are you being so stupid to do this and kiss the woman you're having an affair with on your doorstep yeah. where everyone can see? You wouldn't do that. No,
1: you wouldn't. The other, I mean, and then the other thing there, when we first meet Peter Mullen as Dom when uh, shirt goes to the house, what the fuck's that workout video all about?
0: It's a big purple dinosaur animated. He's he's just enjoying his workout. He's getting on a bit. He's wanting to take care of himself. So yeah, he's working out to what looks like a Barney kind of knockoff. Yeah. Yeah. He's just doing his little workout in his um, <laughs> uh, Massive Attack t-shirt yeah. and yeah. enjoying himself. Yeah. <laughs> i didn't have that down actually as my intro before um i stumbled Uh-oh. across the big george boy george i was <laughs> going to say i'm joined by the man who works out to an animated purple dinosaur <laughs> it's Greg, but um then i i stumbled across the the boy george reference and i thought that was better
1: do you think there's a case to say that peter mullen is scotland's greatest living actor
0: we've um we've discussed this i think on the podcast before yeah, yeah.
1: and we
0: always come it, it's Mullen and Cox. Yeah, is. yeah.
1: It's 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 the two. I I think I'd go
0: with Mullen. Yeah.
1: I thought, yeah, I he's think so. He's just
0: so good. He's just his range and he's just so convincing in terms of, and he can play so many different roles. And, you know, something for him to be, and, and quite a few things we've seen him in, he's maybe meant to be like, look at Shallow Grave, for example. He's meant to be like a menacing kind yeah, of yeah. thug. You believe it. Mm. But yeah, Train Spot in Johnny Swan, you know, kind of yeah. laughable. <laughs> junkie you know yeah. guy, you believe it and i i think yeah i think Mullen might just outpip cox really cox is brilliant and the next thing that we do starring brian cox i will probably be like no brian cox is <laughs> the best actor but yeah i think i think Mullen probably is
1: yeah i just can imagine being like threatened by peter Mullen. <laughs> whole, you know what I mean like, I mean
0: as long as he doesn't terrifying. sing him, like yeah, yeah. like he did in Sunshine on Leith then but, you know again that's, that shows his range though I mean okay his singing isn't great but he he's the best thing about Sunshine on Leith I think oh, undoubtedly um, and that shows that he's prepared to do that and it's still kind of believable the mm. way he is and but that, yeah, you can turn in, you know, a menacing performance. Um, yeah, it yeah, has to be. Yeah, I can, I can, only imagine being threatened by Peter Mullin. like, and <laughs> when he is, it's it's the level when at Carl's funeral and he's speaking to Stuart and Ellie comes over and he's still he's he's being nice but mm-hmm. he's also being very sinister you yeah, know, yeah like oh stuart's just telling me he's leaving tomorrow yeah. you've, you've got half an hour and then get out yeah and you're like yeah i
1: i would be leaving straight away yeah if uh if peter mullen was saying that to me yep um Now there was something there's something that happens that i thought might be a clue to the mystery of what happened to calum which mm. turned out i was miles off and it wasn't so at calum's funeral they play one of his favorite songs, I assume, which is The Clash's cover of I Fought the Law and The Law 1. Mm. And yeah. I thought to myself, oh, I wonder if Doogie, the policeman, is involved somehow here. Because like, Doogie's another one of those characters that we see mm. a fair bit of in the first episode. Like, we see like, Stuart meets him when he's out in his bike being a policeman. And then he's there... When they're playing poker, Um the token black man in Mori. Yeah, and the thing is, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, and you know, he's got, he's obviously, he's got like a Scottish accent because the actor and his name's Nik- Nikutai. Uh, his second name, as you mentioned, he's going to be, Nik- he's going to be the next Doctor Who.
0: Nikutai. <laughs> that's why, it's why I refer to him as Doctor Who because I didn't even want to tackle pronouncing his yeah, name.
1: Yeah, I guess like in in Babby or something like that. Um Yeah, I'm always. I mean, like my kids are mixed race and have Scottish accents and always... I don't know. Because I just say when I, when I was growing up in in Glasgow there was lots of Asian kids, but there wasn't any African or West Indian kids at all that I ever came across. The, the, the other part of the first episode I liked is uh, when he meets Ferg in the pub. The, so when we're introduced to Ferg. <coughs> and I like we sort of touched on it a wee bit earlier in the news when we were talking about Austin's trip to uh Real Madrid, to see Real Madrid play Celtic but I, mm. I like that sort of you know the kind of pub filling up around you I was just mm. would well, just, just just gonna pop in for one or two and meet my pal yeah and then by like four o'clock it's Paints and nips <laughs> yeah people kind of coming in and dropping out and stuff you know what i mean um, it's been uh it's been a really really long time since i uh, s- since i did that and not sure that i match fit to to ever do it again but um yeah i agree with you on that yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. lovely thought but yeah i wonder if that would ever happen yeah a couple other points that I'd, I'd noticed was um actually it was my wife that noticed it and she wanted me to point it out <laughs> at the at, at the end when he is leaving and he's got his bag he's tiny it's little very bag a small, yeah. small bag <laughs> it's it's got... a, a, a wife kept saying it's a wee bag It's a <laughs> wee bag <laughs> and obviously after the last two hours she'd got tuned into the scottish accent yeah. it's, a, it's a wee bag <laughs> um yeah too small a bag for uh, the trip that he's made mm. the, the other thing as well is in probably one of the second to last scenes when after Ferg has been shot and they are in the hospital, Sue and Ellie there, and Ferg wakes up and Ellie says, I'll leave you boys to it. She takes fucking three steps and just stands there watching them because you think she's gone and then it cuts and she's there. She's like, I'll leave you boys to it. But yet she's just like, I'm just still going to hover around like COVID and just watch you and see what you're saying. Like, that's not leaving me to it. I, 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 I Go piss off. Go and get a coffee or something. But um yeah, I just find that amusing that I'll, I'll leave you boys to it. But she's just lingering there.
1: Yeah. I'm just, just going to go to the other side of the room and give you some privacy. <laughs> <laughs> so you can hold hands and... Um, tell each other that you love
0: each other. Did you um, pick up on the the massive connection that this has to a previous episode we've done this while, Our Ladies? Uh, no, I didn't, actually, no. Okay, so ezzy who is the CCTV mm, yeah. camera guy, he plays uh, the yes. the reporter at the start of Our Ladies that comes to take a photo of the right. the girls before they go on their trip. Right. Um, Jack Greenless, who plays Norrie, he is Bobby in Our Ladies, who is the guy that has the wedding video that, that they're watching. Remember? Yeah, they yeah. go back to the flat. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Chris Fulton, who played Ferg, he's Danny in Our Ladies, who's the guy with a stutter that steals their clothes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Got three Our Ladies cast members yeah. in uh, in Stonemouth. Yeah.
1: Three swally tally strugglers. <laughs> uh, strugglers? <laughs> uh, Troublers, I should say. So. Earlier, like a few minutes ago, I touched on them. Um, Fair's choice, not fair. Sorry, C- Callum. I assume C- Callum's choice for a song at his funeral. Yeah, mm. the, uh, I fought the law and the law won. So it led me to have a look and see what popular funeral songs are at the moment. Because I, th- I, th- I, th- I think we can agree, Jesus. I fought the law and the law won. It's an unusual choice <laughs> for a funeral. So in twenty twenty one in the UK, the top ten songs played at funerals. <laughs> <laughs> Starting at, in at number 10 I need the Top of the Pops tune on But I need the 1980s Top of the Pops tune on da, 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 da. In at number 10 uh, The Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler Number 9 The Lord is My Shepherd, Eva Cassidy Number 8 Always Looking the Bright Side of Life, Eric Idle Number 7 uh, The Hymn Jerusalem It just says Various uh, Number 6 We'll Never Walk Alone by Jerry and the Pacemakers Number 5 All things bright and beautiful Various Uh, Number four Amazing Grace Various Uh, Number three Time to Say Goodbye By Sarah Brightman And Andrea Bocelli Number two My Way The Obvious And number one Abide With Me uh, The classic Um, I was hoping to find in this chart something a bit out there and unusual and funny. (laughs) There's there's literally nothing. (laughs) Burn, baby, burn. (laughs) Well, uh, Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum, I think is quite good. I might have that. (laughs) (laughs) Just just in the hope that I actually am on my way up to see the spirit in the sky and not going the other way. (laughs) Okay. Ever ever heard any unusual songs at a, at a funeral? Uh,
0: no, I can't say I have. No, no. Um, no, nothing that springs to mind.
1: I remember somebody having a "Kiss from a Rose" by Seal at a funeral. I was at once. Is um, a big Batman Forever fan. <laughs> it must have been. <laughs> <It> Which <was, no, laughs> reminds me of what they say in that podcast that Seal's hair fell out because his hamster died. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I did uh, i read something on twitter the other day actually um somebody had posted like you know kids these days don't know how fucking good they've got it because you can literally just google on your phone lyrics to a song yeah and you have the full lyrics whereas back in the day we used to have to kind of mumble the soft bits on yeah, um, yeah seals like kissed by a rose because we didn't know what they were so you'd be yeah. like i don't much to tell you, <laughs> mm-hmm. you began, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because you couldn't tell lyrics unless they were yeah. published in smash hits or something
1: or or unless sometimes like uh, bands would print the lyrics on the inlays wouldn't they or in the back of the record or in the inlay for the cd or the cassette i remember the True. The, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, soundtrack <laughs> had all the lyrics, uh, which was which was a boon uh, when you were 12 years old, because then you could really show off. You knew it word for words, And I, as a result, if I was pushed, I could probably recite it verbatim word for word 30 years later. <laughs> you can tell, listener, how much we enjoyed Stonemouth, because
0: we're now <laughs> speaking about the lyrics to T-U-R-T-L-E Power by Partners in Crime. <laughs> yeah. Um it leads to one of my uh, one of my other favourite lines that I did actually I did laugh at this when uh, Ferg and Stu are in the pub and they're speaking and Stu says to Ferg you know what about you any romance or anything and he says um, you just haven't met him yet as the buble might say and Yeah. I thought that was quite good. I, I like that. That made me laugh a little bit. He,
1: he, um, he had another line, Ferg, that made me laugh. Um, when he when he sort of comes round after being shot in the hospital and uh, Stuart says, oh, you're going to be fine. The doctor says the bullet missed all your vital organs. And he says, <laughs> well, do I, have I got organs that aren't vital? <laughs>
0: I um I thought that was nice as well. Actually, it was a nice way to end because obviously you can tell that Ferg is in love with yeah. Stuart, and you know it's not it is reciprocated, but not in the same way. Yeah, and I did like that when Stuart says to him, you know, I love you too. Mm-hmm. It's um it's lovely. I yeah. thought so. I did like that, even though Ellie was just fucking hovering over his shoulder, despite <laughs> saying i'll leave you boys to it yeah she's still hovering there like a fucking rent a ghost or something but um
1: yeah yeah um he might he might have been able to persuade stuart to fucking wank him off if she hadn't been there you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> feeling sorry for him he's been shot they've had a moment together like stuart's going to london back to london anyway you know what i mean so <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i did think though that maury when it was filmed does it
0: did look lovely oh yeah like it just beautiful, the winding streets and stuff. It did remind me of I spent a couple of summers up in Cullen, you know, kind mm. of up that way, and just those winding streets and the seaside kind of town. Yeah, you know, even in Aberdeen, you get a little bit of it down in like Fitty, but yeah, you do. Yeah, just lovely, kind of just beautiful the way it is. It
1: was yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, good to see. Yeah, oh, it's always great when we cover a uh, something that's been filmed in Scotland in the in the production team. Go at a great lens to show off the scenery and the, it's, you know, that was, that was the best thing about Sunshine and leith <laughs> <laughs> the Edinburgh Vistas. Did you notice, um, you know, so Charlotte Spencer, who plays Ellie, I noticed that she has recently been in something that I know that you're a fan of, that we're, I'm a fan of too, uh, Ted Basso. She plays uh, Mary. The episode with Coach Beard, the sort of one-hander when he has that sort of weird night out in London. Oh,
0: yeah. Beard after hours. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Oh, she's the... Um, is she the... She's Mary. Hmm. OK. Ah. Yeah. I'm to watch that episode again now. Probably my least favourite episode of Ted Lasso, (laughs) but I'll I'll have to to watch it again (laughs) now just to see Charlotte Spencer. It's
1: my second least favourite Ted Lasso episode after the Christmas episode. (laughs) Thank
0: you for reminding me about that. Yes, the Christmas episode is the worst episode of Ted
1: Lasso. You're right,
0: yeah. Actually, beer, it's okay, but it's just not on a par with the rest. But yeah, that Christmas one was fucking shite. Mm. Um, Yeah, so I don't really have much else to say. I mean, obviously, I I liked Stuart nipping about in his Ford car. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like nipping around Stone Mouth. I know. Why did like um, to hire a
1: car when Stone Mouth is supposed to be this like small fishing village? <laughs> Just fucking walk. Driving uh, around, <laughs> borrowed a bike from Dougie or something. Yeah, yeah. got a backy off Dougie. Would have been a lot easier to get away
0: from from, uh, from things. Why wasn't Dougie at the funeral? Actually, let's get shout. Oh. Maybe he was on duty or something. Yeah. Obviously, there's the. It did do this quite well in terms of, but maybe not well. You're kind of like everyone's a suspect mm. at the, the beginning. So, you know, Mike is a bit suspicious. Ferg is even a bit suspicious when he's kind of telling Stuart, just like, stay out of it, leave it alone. Yeah. Obviously, Powell, I mean, from the minute you meet Powell, you're like, well, he's got something to do with this. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's so kind of suspicious in a way. But yeah, I think that they do maybe a good enough job of implicating a lot of people in this to, to make up the mystery element so you're never sure however the, the one person that I obviously never thought had anything to do with it was Don you know mm. in P.M.A.N.'s character yeah. and even Elliot Ellie accuses him at one point yeah, he's yeah. like Are you do you Are you taking a piss? Do you think I would do that to my son? And that never for a second crossed my mind mm-hmm. um, that he had anything to do with it. Similarly to Mike, I, I never thought he had anything to do with it either. Is that just because Gary Lewis is just such a nice man and you just kind of <laughs> maybe don't think he would do something like that? But yeah, I, I never thought for a second they had anything to do with the death. But-
1: I, I I thought Gary Lewis might have something to do with it before we see him with... Um, dom's wife having a little mm. moment on the doorstep and then this sort of thought you know She and sympathy yeah so sort of, you know and he's he's quite he's quite reasonable toward Stuart all yeah. the time you know what i mean so yeah. made me think well you know um it's probably not him i mean i thought at one point i thought ezzy might have something to do with it because the cctv mm. that's obviously been switched off before yeah uh, uh callum goes off the bridge powell wide yeah, the, to your point, I was pretty sure that he was involved in some shape or form. Um, I thought the sister Gria might have had something to do with it at one point. So mm. I, I guess, yeah, I suppose you're right. They, they, they did do quite a good job at sort mm. of made, get, kind of putting all these people on your radar. Yeah, but uh, yeah, ultimately they could have done a better job of the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It was
0: okay. I'd I'd recommend if you've got two hours to spare, i I'd, I'd recommend watching it, but just don't expect to be blown away buy it 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 was good but if you're going to watch an ian banks adaptation then watch the crow road yeah. or even complicity yeah like yeah. was you know that was a decent kind of film but Could yeah i watch the crow road instead would yeah. be my uh
1: my recommendation to you okay then so let's put stone mouth through our swally awards uh, the first one the bobby the barman award for best pub well the the old Murray pub which mm. used to be the mason's arms yeah, um, right.
0: <laughs> as they as they say. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd love to go for a pint there.
1: Yeah, I definitely. I like a I like a proper boozer. Um, yeah, so that's what I put. Now the Hugh McGregor Award for gratuitous nudity. There's not. I can't. I can't think of any nudity. it's not really, is there? No, there's not. Uh, no, there's nothing at all. Okay. Well, we'll move swiftly. I count we? Joy McAvoy's ankles as her knickers
0: <laughs> go down. <laughs> yeah. But no, there's there's no yeah. nudity.
1: Yeah, Joy Joy McAvoy proving that she is better. In five minutes of screen time in less than in two and a half <laughs> CDs worth of two doors down. Um, okay, uh, the James Cosmo Award for being in everything Scottish. I gave it to Gary Lewis. Oh, did you? Yeah. it doesn't. Um, I gave it to Gilly Gilchrist.
0: Ah, uh, I, I, he was a close second yeah. for me because he's had a fucking hell of a run in River City as well. Yeah. And he's been in quite a lot, but yeah, I went with Gary Lewis. But yeah, Gilly Gilchrist could, yeah...
1: It, he was my second choice, I would say. I'll tell you. I'll tell you some interesting things about Gary Gilchrist. Okay, Gilchrist facts. He's a trained trapeze artist. Wow. He, despite me, despite growing up in Scotland, he was born in Somerset. He is in no fewer than five different Taggart serials. <laughs> Going as far back, uh, his first credit is in 1986, Death Call, where he's credited as Frogman, which is. <laughs> which was what we used to call divers in the 1980s, kids. Yeah. It was not some elaborate Scottish superhero frogman. He's played a police diver in two episodes. So, yeah, I get, and he's also, you know, like, to your point, he's done over city, he's, he's appeared in a lot of uh, productions set in Scotland, so I thought mm, fair to give it to him. Although Gary Lewis is, is well and truly up there as well in terms of appearances. Yeah. Um, okay next one then uh, the Tease Oot Award who did you what did you go for there uh, I went with Ellie smacking Fraser with a log yeah me too I thought
0: that was a bit Tease <laughs> I mean the only other option is Big George getting PJ'd
1: but... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> wonderful man- <laughs> <honorable> mention but <laughs> Big George uh, getting PJ'd in the eye with a paintball <laughs> okay then the next one then the Francis Begbie Award for Gratuitous Swearing now for the second time in a row, I must confess to not really catching anything, mm. P- particularly gratuitous.
0: The, there's not a lot of swears. The, the, it's not a huge amount. There's a couple here and there. Yeah. The, the one I gave this to, because I just, I, I, I like the way it was delivered, um, is near the beginning, just after Peter Mullen has finished his work out to the big purple animated <laughs> dinosaur. And uh, Stu goes to see him and Stu says, how's Ellie? And uh, Dawn says, How's Ellie? For what,
1: for whatever it's worth, I really am sorry. Really sorry? Aye. How is Ellie? How's Ellie? Um, Ellie is none of your fucking business.
0: That's how she is. Don't let me keep you. And I just, I like the delivery was just, well, oh, it's Peter Mullen. Yeah, it's so the delivery brilliant. was impeccable, yeah. of course. But uh, it was just, yeah, it's really class. nice the way
1: he delivered that. So yeah. that's what I gave it to. That's okay. That's good. I did have anything. So yeah, it's a good one. Okay. Archetypal Scottish moment. What'd you go for? Right. So I went with something that Peter Mullen says, right? And it's, the words by themselves are not particularly Scottish, but the way that it's said in a Scottish accent and i've I tried saying it to myself in a number of different accents <laughs> to see if I was right about this, and I've concluded that I am so when Peter Mullin says, "Stay where you are." <laughs> towards the end of the second. What was going on there? Oh yeah, it's the it's the heist um, when Peter Mullen mm. comes into the fish factory when uh, when Norrie and Fraser are trying to rip off the drug deal, and he comes mm-hmm. in and stops it, and he says, "Stay where you are." And I was thinking to myself, there's something really Scottish about <laughs> just the way about because I, I can't imagine any uh, when I say the words "stay where you are" in an, in an urgent way like Peter Mullen does there in the. In, in different accents, it doesn't have the same. It doesn't resonate in the same way. So
0: yeah, okay. Stay where you With are. With the Scottish, <laughs> not be like Hud it? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Hud it's like a sort of condensed version. <laughs> um, um, stay where you are. Stay where you are. Stay where. Stay, stay where you are, mate. <laughs> yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can take that. What, maybe. Did, what did you go for?
0: I did have as uh The Breakfast, which we oh, kind of yeah, yeah. discussed before, but then I decided that it would be the Stone Mouth sign, which says, haste ye back.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's better than mine. Um Okay, uh, and the Sean Connery Awards, who who won the production?
0: Oh, I'd like to give it to Brian Gleeson, but I'm
1: going to give it to Peter yeah, it has to be Peter Mullen. He's just like, yeah. you look forward to every scene he's in. Yeah. Um, he's superb. Very... Brian Gleeson does deserve an honourable mention. Um, but uh, yeah, P- Peter Mullen runs away with it. Um, I would I would even say, you know,
0: Naomi Patrick. I mean, she's mm-hmm. not in it for a huge amount as Greer, but as I said, she delivers like two of my favourite kind of scenes and lines. And I just, I just like her kind of sass, but I, yeah. she's not in it enough really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it has to be Mullen. He's just fucking brilliant. And it's, I don't know, it's just an understated performance as well. Like this is a kind of performance that he could be chewing up the scenery. yeah. But he's not. It's its still so believable. Some of the lines he, mm-hmm. the way he delivers it, like at the end with Powell, and you're really convinced. He's got a gun to his head mm-hmm. and he's just saying to Powell, you're going to leave right now. You're going to go away and I'm never going to know where you are mm-hmm. because if I do, I'll find you and I'll kill you. Yeah. And you believe it, like you know. That's why Powell is kind of yeah. powerless almost, and he just palms the gun away and walks out. So, yeah, not aggressively, but he knows where he's he's going. He he's got no fear mm-hmm. that Powell is going to all of a sudden turn that gun back on him. Yeah, and yeah, his performance is just fantastic. So yeah, Peter Muller. All
1: right, well, um, yeah, by all means, go and watch Stone Mouth. If it's uh, it's definitely worth a watch, um, but it's not without its problems. So Yeah, I'd agree. It was my choice, uh, Stone Mouth, um, this week. What are we talking about on the next episode of The Swally, Nikki?
0: I've changed my mind about six times with this, (laughs) genuinely. And listener, I genuinely mean this. Greg and I have no idea what the other one is going to pick the next week. And I had something in my mind, even before we recorded the book group, and then you picked Stone Mouth. And I was like, I can't pick what... I was going to pick. So I need to change it. And I've changed it about three or four times this week. And I was set in stone, stone mouth. <laughs> um, funnily enough, it's the reason I didn't pick what I was going right. to pick because it's got stone in the title. Um, I was like, right, I've, I've got, I know what I'm picking. And I changed my mind yesterday. Uh, so uh, because I was doing prep for our interview that we're going to be having with Ali mm. for Scott's Way hey later on, I was looking at kind of my favourite films and I was like, I... I can't believe we haven't actually done this right. on this Swalley before. Like, I'm genuinely surprised that we haven't done this because it's one of our favourite people on this Swalley in terms of their work. So I'd like to look at the directorial debut of the 1979 Bill Forsyth film, That Sinking Feeling. Oh, cool. Brilliant. Yeah, I can't believe you haven't done that either. I, I- yeah, neither have I. Cool. I was just looking at the Bill Forsyth films, and I was like, "Well, we've done Gregory's Girl, we've done yeah. Comfort and Joy, we've done Local Hero. We haven't done that sinking feeling." So, yeah, so, uh, yeah. so I, I had to to pick that as uh, as our next episode, yeah. and also because it's only like 19 minutes long. As well. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know like, last night, um, my daughter and I watched The Lost Boys, and I I hadn't like the the Joe Schumacher 1988. Teen vampire thing, um, and I, I used to. It was one of my favorite films. I'd watched that. Oh, I couldn't even say. T- I couldn't even tell you. It could be fifteen, maybe twenty years since I watched it. And because it was the first VHS that I ever bought, that wasn't like a Transformers cartoon or whatever. When I was about twelve, you know what? You know when you watch these films over and over again, and I pretty much mm-hmm. knew the script. So I thought my daughter would really like it. And uh, my wife was going to bed. She's like, what are you two going to do? And I said, oh, we're going to watch The Boss Boys. <laughs> and then I noticed the running time. It's only an hour and 37 minutes. I was like, oh, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah.
0: hey, back when films were a decent length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss those days. Yeah. 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 Oh, well. Okay, well, so yeah, that sinking feeling coming up on the next episode of The Swally. So, thank you so much for listening, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to give us a follow, you can. You can follow us on Instagram at Pod, or you can follow us on Twitter at SwallyPod. And if you've seen anything in the news that you'd like us to cover or anything that you would like us to review on the show, then you can get in touch with us. Or, yeah, just send us a little message, say hello. You can get in touch with us on cultureswally at gmail.com. And please feel free to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And Greg, we have a beautiful website,
1: don't we? <laughs> we do. Uh, it's You can find us at cultureswally.com. you find some articles about Scottish television, about the Crankies, and links to all the aforementioned socials. You can email us from there. You can link to our Instagram and our Twitter. So come and check us out wonderful right well i'm gonna go
0: to go and pack a, a tiny bag to <laughs> go to the train station and get on the hogwarts express
1: <laughs> what about yourself uh i'm gonna go and have my sunday uh roast dinner that's what i'm gonna do it's currently quarter past four here and then i'll be speaking to you later on this evening when we meet uh Ali from scotsby hay so that's something to look forward to wonderful
0: okay right thank you very much greg until next time until next time if you need to go earlier. Right you Why, I checked in with Don, like you said. You didn't cover yourself in glory, though, did you? Mentioning Ellie. Don thought that was a bit cheeky, and that was before he saw you hanging about outside the drop-in centre. He followed me. He doesn't need to follow you, steel boy. He's got friends in high places, eyes everywhere. And now Fraser and Nerdy are keen to catch up and chew the fat. You told me everything would be OK. Yeah, it was, till you started being cheeky and generally sneaking about. Now, listen to me. I'm on your side, but patience is wearing thin. Just best leave well alone.